Hey guys, it's Emmy, and this is the Emmy Show. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I mentioned last last podcast, um, this is the start of a new season, kind of revolving around uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, which is October. Um, it's taking me a couple days to start recording just because life has been hectic. Um, but yeah, so I decided to start out. Um, with a couple of statistics um, from ncadv.org, which I believe stands for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, so from 2016 to 2018, um, domestic violence, um, also known as intimate partner violence, um, has actually increased um, by 42%, which is, you know, unfortunately not surprising to me, but horrible. <laughs> Um, and yeah, an average of 20 people per minute are abused by an intimate partner. Um, and and I don't think these statistics are really overly shocking to anyone. I think, I think most of us probably at this point know that it's a problem, but I think sometimes hearing numbers really puts it in perspective of, um, you know, how big of a problem we're talking about. So today I kind of wanted to outline just to start off this season, um, just kind of, I I guess a few of the many reasons, um, why it's difficult to leave a, a domestic violence situation because, you know, unfortunately I still hear, um, you know, people probably well-meaning in a lot of cases say, well, like, why didn't she just leave, you know, um, which is obviously not the right question to ask, right? Like, like we should be asking, why did he fucking abuse her? Um, and I'm saying he and her mainly just because, although obviously men are victims of abuse sometimes as well and domestic violence sometimes as well, just statistically there are, you know, far, far more women, um, than, than there are men, which isn't to discount, you know, obviously the men that are going through this just for ease. I'm, I'm, you know, more frequently referring in his and her, uh, pronouns just for that reason, just to clarify. But anyways, so yeah, um, I touched on this in a previous episode, um, back in my first season. Um, it was just kind of a one-off episode and, um, it was called, um, something to the extent of, um, answering the perpetual nagging misguided question. (laughs) Um, so you can go back and look at that if, if you're interested, but but I just kind of wanted to expand on that a little um, in this this episode, and it's not going to be super long, but um, stick with it if you can. I think there's some some good, interesting stuff, um, even though sometimes it's tough. But so yeah, um, although there's a lot of reasons, I decided to kind of break it down into three main groups just to kind of give a little bit of insight. And spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't already know, um, I have very personal experience in this because um, I've you know unfortunately. Um, been in more than a couple of domestic violence related uh, situations where I was the, you know, target or victim or whatever you want to call it. Um, So yeah, I I think the three groupings I decided to use um, would be composed of um, practical reasons, um, also like fiscal, um, mental um, slash kind of like psychological reasons and then survival based reasons. And those are the three I'm going to talk about kind of briefly today. Um, so first of all, just in terms of practical reasons why, you know, a woman, let's say, wouldn't just leave a situation. Um, typically, you know, 
these kinds of perpetrators, they don't show their true colors until you're already in pretty deep, you know? So, like, um, usually by the time, you know, it's become apparent that the victim is in a bad situation, uh, an unbearable situation, you know, they've already moved in together, you know, frequently they're engaged or married, in some cases even have children together. Um, So it's, it's not like, you know... It's not as easy as if you're, say, you just started dating and you're like, oh shit, you're a piece of crap, now I'm gonna leave. <laughs> you know, it's not like you just jump in your car. I mean, you know, when you have a home together, maybe investments, bank accounts, there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, in some cases with, you know, women who have even been encouraged, say, by their abusers to stay home and take care of the kids, you know, they don't have an income in some cases, you know, or like in my case, um, you know, I was younger. Um, I did have an apartment with, you know, my then, let's say in one of my experiences, um, with my then husband, um, we didn't have any major shared assets, but even in that situation, I mean, it meant trying to find another place to live. Um, considering, you know, we had just signed a year lease together. We were in an apartment. Neither of us could afford on our own. You know, he was, also, um, like so many abusive men, um, was actively financially abusing me as well as all of the other forms of abuse. So just siphoning, you know, any money I did make, um, you know, it seemed like his was always disappearing. So I never had enough, even though I was working, you know, more than ever and making more than I had, there was just never anything left over, you know, cause I was always picking up the pieces and trying to, you know, support us, you know, quote unquote. Um, so yeah, practically it can be difficult to just have enough resources, not to mention time, um, to find another place to live. Um, and then, you know, looking at divorce, I mean, usually both parties have to agree to that or at least sign off on it. So that's a process. I mean, if you did have shared investments, a home, children, um, you know, pets, all of that are things you're having to consider and be strategic about, which I'll talk about, you know, a little bit later in the survival-based reasons for why it's difficult to leave. Um, so yeah, that that would be like a, a really brief overview of, of some of just the practical things, uh, moving parts that someone, you know, one would have to think about um, when kind of planning ahead um, to leave uh, an abuser. Um, and, and yeah, so the second group I was going to talk about would be psychological or mental reasons. And, I, you know, like I said, I, I did touch on this a little bit in my episode in season one, but obviously, you know, there's a lot of manipulation and gaslighting, which I um, kind of broke down a lot of those terms um, back in the episode I mentioned. But yeah, just a lot of gaslighting, a lot of manipulation, basically, um, a lot of programming that's been going on, you know, before the victim even knows that they're with a bad, a bad guy, you know? Um, so, so they've already kind of been solidified in this state of warped normalcy, you know, where you're just in topsy turvy world, (laughs) nothing makes sense. So by the time, you know, you realize you need to get out, you don't even remember what normal is anymore. And you're, you're already isolated because people are like, either tired of hearing about your relationship or they just think you're crazy um, because of, of all the gaslighting and the constantly changing story because of, of the cycle of abuse you're going through uh, with 
with this um, individual. Um, so at that point, you know, you don't have a support system typically left. So there's no one really to turn to. Um, this monster has become your only source of emotional, quote unquote, support, even though it's twisted. Um, like I said, your sense of normalcy is basically gone because they've kind of effectively brainwashed you into thinking that this is all you deserve and this is your new life, your new normal. Um, not to mention, you know, um, the trauma bonding, which in a later episode, I'll, I'll talk about how, you know, a different view on trauma bonding, which I recently became acquainted with that I, I find very interesting of viewing trauma bonding in some cases as almost a, a form of survival um, mentally when you're in, in a situation. But but that's probably for another another podcast. But at any rate, um and also just the, the brain fog that comes with just being emotionally and mentally depleted from a constant games and struggle and abuse, um, be it emotional, physical, sexual, or all of the above, which, you know, frequently by the time you're trying to get out, it is most, if not all of the above and more, at least in my experience, it has been. Um, so yeah, I think that would kind of um, also lead me into... One other thing I did want to mention, which is, you know, a lot of survivors um, and victims of um, domestic violence do end up both during and after the experience having or developing um, PTSD or CPTSD, which is complex PTSD, um, which comes with, you know, a a wide variety of of fun little (laughs) ongoing symptoms. But... One of the effects, um, according to psychology today and just science in general, is um, that it affects two parts of your brain. Um, the trauma um, that does cause PTSD and CPTSD, um, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. Um, and, and both of those um, have to do with basically how you regulate emotion um, and how you store memory and how you you make decisions um so basically with ptsd and cptsd typically your amygdala will become overactive and your prefrontal cortex will become i guess less active um so so you're operating in an altered state of mind basically and frequently you know when you're with an abuser especially if it's you know not your first um and you already had say ptsd going in which again i have personal experience in They've already learned your triggers, so they're intentionally, you know, forcing you into a constant state of being triggered and a constant state of fight or flight, a constant state of survival mode. So you're not, you're not in a clear headspace anyway. So even just trying to see through the fog to what's actually happening through all their gaslighting and bullshit and past the very real, you know, neurological effects of uh, a complex PTSD, you know, from trauma um, can make it extremely difficult, especially without a support system to even begin to know what you need to do, much less do it, you know, and the self-doubt that has been drilled into you for years of, you know, by this abuser really does uh, also have an effect, especially without that support system um, on just lowering the likelihood that you're going to be able to make that right decision or even know what that is. Um, so yeah, that, that's a really important part that I think a lot of people don't really think about. 
Um, so yeah, then on to survival-based reasons, and and, and this is a really, really big one. You know, a, a lot of people are like, again, like, why didn't she just leave? And a lot of times it's as simple as she didn't want to fucking die. <laughs> You know, because even though living in a state of abuse is hell, um, or maybe, maybe purgatory, I don't know, but, um, leaving, you know, can, can be deadly, literally, um, and frequently is more than uh, I think a lot of people know. And, you know, usually the victim or target of the abuse is the only one who really knows just how bad it is. And sometimes in that heightened state, you know, it's difficult to describe to someone all that's going on, um, especially if, you know, your would-be support system has maybe been kind of gaslighted themselves by, you know, this con artist or, or whatever. So, so it, it can be really difficult to ask for help and, and, you know, law enforcement has really come a long way, but it's still not where it needs to be in terms of supporting victims and believing victims of, of domestic violence and taking this shit seriously. Because, I mean, you know, I know in my case, and I think in a lot of cases, there's been either implied or explicit threats of stalking, you know, um, in some cases, like uh, if you were to leave hypotheticals when, you know, you start basically, you know, making mention of it or they, the abuser starts catching on that you might be leaving, usually, you know, threats of stalking, increased surveillance, increased violence almost always in my experience and pretty much everyone I've talked to that's been in a situation like this, violence, um, manipulation, um, surveillance, threats of stalking, all increased um, when they were getting ready to leave and after they left. As far as just stalking, I mean, in and of itself, um, you know, like according to ncadv.org, one in 10 women and one in 50 men were stalked by, you know, intimate partners or former intimate partners. And, and the majority of, of women who were murdered by intimate partners were stalked first, you know. And, and just to give you some perspective of, of how common this really is, it's uh, just fucking horrifying. Um, one in two, one in two half uh, female murder victims were killed by an intimate partner or former intimate partner. So half of the women who were murdered, you know, according to ncadv.org, were, were killed by someone who was supposed to love them, um, which is pretty, it's pretty fucking horrifying. Um, and the statistic they have for men is 1 in 13. And again, it doesn't say in the case of, of, of men if that was a male or female perpetrator. So that's, you know, another thing to keep in mind. But um, another thing that I found really disturbing is, um, according to psycho psychology today, um, the number of women in particular, um, who are being murdered by their intimate partner has actually increased, um, as of late, um, like this year. Um, so it used to be close to three um, and you may be like, oh, three a month. Like, no, three a day. It used to be three women a day um, in the U.S. alone that are murdered by their intimate partner. But now it's actually closer to four women a day who are murdered by someone they either are with or were with. Um, so that's just, I don't know, just I think 
I think I just need to say it again because just that's that's shocking to me uh even to me um four women a day are are murdered in the U.S. alone by an intimate partner or former intimate partner just it's just fucking madness um, so yeah, just to kind of put that in perspective, as far as like what we're talking about with um, practical reasons why women might hesitate to leave, um, according to theguardian.com in their article on a really excellent documentary called Private Violence, which I would absolutely recommend, um, really good documentary if you want to really understand domestic violence. Um, again, it's called Private Violence. It's a hard watch, but it's worth it. Um, But anyway, according to TheGuardian.com's article on that, um, up to 75% of abused women who are murdered um, are actually murdered post-separation, not during the relationship. So three-quarters of women who are murdered by an abusive partner are actually murdered after they leave. Which if you really take a second to step back and think about it that it it makes sense unfortunately i mean it's horrific but it makes sense because these kinds of individuals that are abusing someone they're supposed to love it's all based on this lust for control right um and typically they're you know cluster b personalities of um, psychopaths and sociopaths who just view their partner as an object and something to control so when they finally stand up for themselves and leave they see this loss of control as like the worst thing that could happen and they lash out to try to regain control through violence and that's when you know they they fucking kill people so so yeah i mean that that's a really that's a really practical answer to to that perpetual question of why doesn't she just leave i mean enough said uh she doesn't want to die you know um so obviously we do have resources now and and more so than you know in years past there's a a lot more resources for um, women and men both who are coming out of abusive relationships but this is such such a far-reaching um and sadly just expansive problem that um the majority of you know these women's shelters they do have wait lists so again it's not like something that that you can always just jump on um sometimes it does have to be a process and the average woman you know usually has to try seven times to leave an abusive partner before she actually leaves for good and i i don't think that that's all mental um or you know all hesitation i'm sure you know obviously that's some of it um the brainwashing and trauma bonding but a lot of that is just really practical you know like if you don't have anywhere to go and your options are you know be homeless or stay you know or maybe you don't have protection from this psychopath and you know okay i'm going to be abused if i stay but i'm going to be fucking murdered if i leave you know the choice is pretty clear right so i mean i think that's another thing that a lot of people understandably don't think about if they haven't been there or haven't researched it and i think that's why it's important to talk about these kinds of things so that there is more understanding and we can really start to help and change the dialogue and then and through that hopefully change you know reality of of what's happening because it's it's pretty horrifying you know to be real and another thing i just like to touch on even though i know i didn't include it in these three points but 
another thing I'll say is is for uh, a victim of domestic violence to leave her abuser or his abuser, um, they first have to realize that they're actually a victim of domestic violence. Um, so, I mean, that may sound counterintuitive, but in a lot of cases, you know, maybe they didn't have the education um, or the exposure to, to understand all the different forms of abuse. Um, or maybe their normalcy has been so warped from just being treated like crap over and over again that they don't even know that there is better, you know, or that what they're experiencing is abuse and that it's not okay. Maybe no one's ever told them that. Um, and I can definitely say that that does happen. And so sometimes what it finally takes for someone to leave is just to have maybe a friend or even a total stranger just be like, you know, like, listen to them and, and just say something as simple as, you know, you deserve better. Um, and maybe get exposure to some of these resources that show the warning signs of, you know, domestic abuse um, and uh, coercive control and things of that nature um, to be able to identify the things that are happening in their own home and and have the vocabulary to explain to someone what's happening, which is another reason I think it's, it's really important for us to talk about it and, and to be careful about the vocabulary we use in speaking about these kinds of things because it's what frames our reality. And I know in my experience, um, I didn't, I didn't really know I was being abused, um, even though it should have been really obvious. <laughs> uh, I mean, I say that it, uh, but I, I had no way of knowing because I, you know, when I was younger, this stuff wasn't really talked about and I'm really glad that's changing. And I'm trying to be a part of that because, uh, you know, the, average age where you're most likely to start encountering domestic abuse is especially for women is between ages 18 and 24 and that was when I first started encountering it and I think if we can educate you know everyone at any age is obviously important but if we can start educating you know people especially teens about the warning signs young then they can avoid the you know the learning curve that you know, the rest of us and people like me had to go through to figure out what the hell was happening <laughs> and get out. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important. Um, so if you're interested in more resources, um, there's a lot of them. I'll try to just make maybe a, a mini pod just to give some recommendations, but I would say off the top of my head, um, the documentary called Private Violence is really good. Um, there's an organization called Break the Silence, which um, for the most part, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Um, the podcast that I talk about all the time, <laughs> Real Crime Profile, um, has some really good episodes on some really some really knowledgeable people talking about you know domestic violence and stalking and things of that nature um, and domestic violence legislation, if you're interested in you know staying up to date on that. Um, and then the website I mentioned um, already ncadv.org I mean and like I said uh, October is domestic violence awareness month so it's it's a good time to get you know educated and um, even you know if you if you think you know a lot about it I think you can always learn more I'm definitely always looking to learn more and there's a lot of resources out there now um, even if you just google it a bunch of stuff you know will come up and you can find a lot of information online and I think it's important to not only arm ourselves against 
you know, potential predators, but also look out for our family members or friends or coworkers who might be going through this shit and just to be able to be uh, a friend or a listening ear, ear or like a, you know, even like an advocate for, for them um, to maybe save a life, you know, because that's really what it boils down to. Um, you know, domestic violence is, is violence, domestic homicide, it's, it's homicide, you know. Um, right now, intimate partner violence is the, is the leading cause of death in women in America. You know, not heart disease, not cancer, just people that are supposed to love them and fucking murdering them. That's the number one cause of death in women. <laughs> I mean, there's, that's just, I, I should, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because it's horrifying. Like, it's just unbelievable to me, but it's real. And I think we need to change that. So if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, um, you can also call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233 or 1-800-799-SAFE. Um, so yeah, um, definitely call that if, if you need and stay tuned. I'm going to make a lot more podcasts on this topic. I know it's not as funny as... Well, it's not funny at all. It's not funny like some of my other topics. It's not even darkly funny like some of my other topics. It's just dark. Um, but I, I think it's important to talk about. And, you know, I, I think sometimes it takes exposing ourselves to these hard issues and actually talking about it to change things. So that's why I'm doing it. And don't worry. Um, after this month, I will make some more, some more funny and darkly funny podcasts. But right now I think it's important to uh to do a few more on these you know and yeah so stay tuned um and I'll make sure I try to get some more resources up in the next episode if not before about um some good podcasts and documentaries um I actually just watched another documentary the other day um I think it was called uh American Murder um the family next door I believe is what it was called I'll have to double check that and I'll I'll update you guys next next podcast but it was on um one of the more recent family annihilators of um a guy that was uh basically killed his his family um but yeah on that note um i guess i will talk to you guys soon stay tuned and thank you for staying with me <laughs> and listening to uh to my podcast and have a great night